0: Hey, this is Sammy Reinstein, and you're listening to Conversation Starters. On this show, we talk all about bringing conversations back to B2B marketing and selling. Because if there's one thing we know about doing business in the revenue era, it's that the best customer experience wins. Through the power of our own conversations with drifters, customers, and special guests, we'll learn how to deliver a sales and marketing experience that puts the buyer first. Let's get into it.
1: And we're back. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Sammy. I am really looking forward to your conversation today, so we're gonna just jump right into it, but it's a seamless segue from last week's episode with Guy from Intellimize, because if you remember, and if you didn't listen to the episode, I'd recommend that you do, Guy made a lot of references to the importance of using data to create personalized website experiences.
0: Yes, today we are interviewing Jacob Schneider from Stanley Security, and he is going to tell us more about how he uses data to create more conversations on his website.
1: Yes, I think Jacob will have a really interesting story because he has been in a few roles at Stanley Security and has helped build out different reporting and analytics to create more personalized experiences yeah so um fair warning that there will be a bit more drift product talk than the previous episodes but i don't think you need to be a drift user to get um get something out of the conversation
0: yeah i agree it's gonna be a lot of how you use data and communicate that with your team and then of course from playbooks how to use in those insights and create better conversations so i'm looking forward to it Jacob, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Sammy. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. All right. So Jacob is going to walk us through the importance of using data to have more informed conversations. But before we get into all of that, Jacob, I would love to learn a little bit more about you and what you do at uh, Stanley Security.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my background is actually... Um, I'm definitely on the marketing digital experience side of things, but my background is actually more in psychology. That's where I did a lot of my, my education and everything. Um, I got a lot of experience actually... Working with data, uh, running experiments, tests, um, looking at human behavior, and uh, some experience analyzing data and doing statistics, things like that, which lends itself well to a, an analytics type role. I actually started out at, at Stanley Security a few years ago doing um, HR as an intern, <laughs> so I did that for a couple summers, uh, which was great. But I actually got more into the marketing analytics side of things, which uh, kind of I got to bring in more of my research. Um, and analysis side of things and understanding behavior, especially with marketing and the, and the overlap with psychology. I got to do a lot more of that in that role. So I enjoy it a little bit better than, than what I was doing before. Um, and so I, I've stuck with that through the last couple of years. Um, my main role now with Stanley Security is working with our, our chatbot. So I work exclusively at Drift day in, day out. That's, that's a lot of my role. Um, and I, I work all the way from ideation and creation of playbooks all the way through to um, measuring them on the back end, analyzing the data, reporting out to the various teams. Uh, we work at a our team at Stanley works at a global scale, so reporting out to the different regional markets and and overall improving and iterating on uh, the experience from a chat perspective. And so that's that's a lot of my role and what I do. Which it's nice because I get to I get to work with like I said, you can you can do a lot with data. And analyzing behavior, especially from from chat, where you can literally see the decisions people people are making, and um, and try to improve that experience that they're having. So it it lends itself well the background. So
0: yeah, definitely, I am a chatbot person. If I if I do say so myself, uh, I used to be on our professional services team where I was building out playbooks. So I definitely relate to you. I I nerd out over all of this stuff. I also was a psychology minor for two semesters and then I switched. But I think that psychology does lend itself really well to a lot of what we do in marketing. And from a data side of things where it can be so black and white in a way, it does help to actually have that psychology background where you can take the data a step further and think, well, there's people behind this. How can we actually look at this and analyze this and take meaning from this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And especially with You know, you can make a very structured approach, get ask all the questions you want to collect data on and then, you know, just have a very robotic approach. But with the psychology part of it, you kind of have to work in the conversational aspects of things. And you definitely it's it's two prongs. You know, you want to have the conversational aspects and that right content in there. uh, But then on the back end, you have to balance it with with collecting the data you need to as well. So um, there's definitely a a lot involved. So
0: Yeah. And your title is. Is a long title. Your title is Global Digital Analytics Experience Manager. Can you yes. tell me what does that mean? What does a Digital Experience Analytics Manager do?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I, yes, it is a it's a long title, uh, <laughs> and basically, what it boils down to is the team that I work on. We are uh, we work on our global digital experience, which especially in the age of COVID with more digital interactions is becoming more and more entwined with overall customer experience. You know, we're seeing a lot more engagement on website, on chat, things like that, as people are trying to solve problems digitally. Um, And on our team, at least, so an analytics manager is essentially around all the elements of our digital experience, whether it be website, uh, design, marketing, automation, each of our team members has developed a discipline around that, where we We have research questions that we want to answer um, in some ways we're kind of like an r and d uh, within r and d team within marketing almost where we've developed our discipline around the element that we're responsible for, and we ask those questions and answer them and use that insight to feed it out to the team and so um, essentially, what I'm doing is analyzing our digital experience from a chat perspective and I have teammates that do marketing automation develop virtual agents all that kind of all that kind of stuff and and we you know, our end goal is always to improve the, the experience that our customers are having um, and prospects as they're coming in. So um, yeah. it's, and it's, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of voice of customer data that comes through, especially from chat from my perspective. So that's a huge data source for us and, and you can collect so much on that and, and really listen to the behaviors and the decisions that people are making and, um, and start to categorize that and figure out you know what the best strategy forward is. Um, it's, so I hope that kind of answers your question. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Isn't it so interesting? I often will go into our chat tools and look at insights and see how people are responding to certain messages or what they're saying in chat. That is one of the most interesting parts of going back into Drift is you can think one thing about what your customers are saying, and then you actually go in and you can see, oh, this is how they're talking about our products. And these are the type of questions that they're answering. We should probably change the way that we're talking about this.
2: Yeah, you're spot on. Absolutely spot on. There's always insight to be had. And there's always um, opinions and biases that that come in too. You may think, like you said, you may think that they're they're coming in at a, a certain perspective, but really, that's you know not, not what they're looking for, or you're not exactly you know solving the pain point that they're looking for. And so you always have to look back at the data and figure out um, you know if you're really pushing that that true path forward to improve their experience. Absolutely.
0: And looking back on data for some people is like, you know, you're looking at this graph and you just completely understand what it means. You feel really comfortable in the data. And for other people, that might be really scary looking at data and potentially not being able to completely understand what certain data points mean. So how do you go back to your team who may not have that understanding like you do of this data? And how do you communicate it in a way that makes sense to them?
2: Yes, it's absolutely. It's it can get very complex, even for people like like me who sit in the data, you know, day in day out. It's it is it's complex, especially when you're dealing with humans who are very complex, and you never know what what might be happening. So, um, the way that, that I like to think about it is, you know, conversations, especially just talking about conversational data. There's obviously all kinds that you can look at, but conversations are pretty complex. If you were to take a drift conversation. Export it to an Excel sheet, you have you know, 30, 40 messages, individual messages, all constituting a, a conversation there. And you know, that's a complex data source. That's a lot to digest. It takes time to read through and kind of understand it. But what you like to do is what you want to do is, is simplify it as much as possible. And so what we've been doing, and kind of in our experience, using conversational tags and labeling your data that way, that's a great tool in Drift to use. Um, And something that we use a lot of is, you know, say someone comes in, they say they want to talk to sales, you know, we we add a sales inquiry tag in there. Say they go further and they say, you know, I want to upgrade my existing security system. Add an upgrade tag, capture email, add an an email capture tag, Uh, successful interaction. If they say, you know, this is what I was looking for. I don't need anything else add uh, that it was a, sex, a successful interaction and then you all of a sudden you've simplified you know all of these rows of messages into one line of you know this is a sales conversation they want to upgrade we got their email and they this is what they were looking for we we resolved that and so <clears throat> as you start to break down and and start to tag things out and label you know i would advocate for for more tagging rather than less so you can answer all the possible questions you want to answer that's kind of the first step of of communicating that out is simplifying it um, to that digestible level because then you can start to look at, okay, across all of my conversations, this is how many were tagged with sales. this is how many you know within sales, how many were upgrades versus adding a new solution. Um, and those are the types of things you find you know that twenty percent of your your sales conversations were upgrades and maybe eighty percent were new installs. Well, maybe you take that to your to your team, your content team and say, hey, Maybe let's develop a playbook for specifically people who are adding new solutions or new products or whatever that looks like. Um, all of a sudden, you've taken all of these conversations that are so long and, you know, hundreds of thousands of lines of messages and you simplified it into a pattern um, using the tags. And so that's that's the way that we like to look at it. Um, and it's definitely a, a manual process for us right now where we kind of mine the data. We look at it um, in a dashboard and we take that and you know send it off to the content team and say, hey, let's ideate and try to come up with something here. Um, you know, ideal state is definitely automating as much of that as possible, setting limits for, hey, if a page is exceeding you know this much sales intent, let's you know shoot a notification over to our content team and say, Hey, this is popping up, project plan it out, let's put out a playbook. You know, that's the ideal state that we're working towards, but um I think just getting your your data in a good place where it's simplified using tags or whatever that looks like that's kind of the first step to unlocking um the power of communication it needs to be you know digestible as much as possible so that's that's how we approach it
0: yeah yeah, and I love the way that you're thinking about those insights and you're not keeping it just to drift where you can say let's create another playbook or something from here but that you're dispersing that data and information to the whole team where your content marketing team could create a new asset about something that a lot of customers are asking about or you could update the language on a given landing page. And I love what you're saying about simplification because it makes it super easy to take those next steps. Yeah. I- also am a big fan of using tags. So for anyone that's not familiar with tagging in Drift, you can have the bot apply a tag when someone goes through a certain uh, conversation flow. So I've also seen a lot of people use that at virtual events where people are wondering, what are people most interested in at this virtual event and tagging? Oh, they're interested in this type of speaker. They're mostly looking at agenda and then using those insights and updating.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Although we say it's simple, but I will I will emphasize it does take a lot of effort on the on the <laughs> forefront of things to try to because you have to develop a almost a a model around it and make sure it's structured and everything like that. Um, but yes, abs- after you've done all the work, it simplifies it a whole lot if you're able to do that. Yeah. Ahead of, so
0: awesome. And Jacob, are there any great stories you can share? From an interesting trend you found analyzing the data
2: yeah absolutely well i've I've got we have quite a discipline built around the tagging and everything, so uh once you have that, you have all kinds of stories and trends that you notice and things like that, as you can imagine um one that I like to share though that comes to mind is um, actually, when I was originally kind of developing our model around how we wanted to tag things uh, before we did our, our big implementation when we first started um, was I essentially sat down and read through over a thousand conversations like by hand. All of those rows I was talking about with conversations, I read through all of those. <laughs> and essentially, uh, which is a lot of work, but it's a lot. It gives you great insight into um, what your customers are really saying and and how you can improve things. And and what I did was I essentially labeled, you know, what was the intent that they were coming in for? Were they looking for our sales team? Were they looking for a support issue uh, for our existing customers? Were they just looking to learn about our solutions and our offerings? Um, I labeled that, I labeled what the content of the conversation was. Was it around a certain solution? Was it around, you know, was there a specific ask in there and then the outcome? Um, What was it successful? What did they drop off? Um, Did we get a lead created? Things like that. And so I went through and, you know, I I looked at the trends very manually and and developed that. Um, And we actually noticed right off the bat that a lot of what was coming in was, um, at least for our U.S. data, was support-based. So that was a a large portion of what was coming in. And previously, you know, with our, our initial implementation of Drift, it had been, you know, it's a sales marketing tool. Let's use it as that. But as we were seeing... The data didn't lie. You know, our, our our customers were coming in and interacting with the chat bot for you know a different purpose than we intended, and so we kind of had to shift our our experience to cater to that. Because you know the customer's going to say what they're going to say, and you have to respond to that. Um, and it's and that's that's part of it is you have to build things out to to cater to that audience. And uh, so we actually ended up. Changing the first question of our, our chatbot entirely. Previously, it had been just a basic, you know, how can we help you today with a few different options around those different intents? Um, but we changed it when we noticed that there was a lot of support to be a question about are you an existing customer or new to Stanley? And so, and that based on your response there, it fundamentally changed your experience from then on because all of our customers got kind of an enhanced support experience where that was an option that was built out they could try to do a couple different things around support that covered some of the main issues we also had you know sales and educational built in there, but we had to focus on the support because that was such a large aspect of of what was coming in whereas the prospect side was focused primarily on a couple different sales options and then learning about our solutions so Rather than off the bat, just that insight alone, um, and honestly, that insight of all the support that came in has driven a lot of other changes as well uh, to our website, to the type of virtual agents that we develop in other areas. Um, so that alone has been a huge insight and a big takeaway that's that shifted the way that we approach our our visitors on our on our digital side.
0: Yeah, talk about getting close to the customer. I mean, reading all of those conversations and then taking action of what your customers are looking for. And then from there too, your buyers are getting a better experience because they don't have to go through different support paths and such. You can customize that experience too. That's great to hear how you updated and shifted strategy. I am curious when you were rolling out creating playbooks what was the process behind that what was the strategy behind getting those playbooks up and running
2: Yeah so um I think initially it's it's just getting your you know, your base your base product out and out there so like a basic version of the playbook that you can use to capture you know, all of those intents and really start to measure in different places, the website, having a wide implementation of a basic playbook allows you to measure a lot of things and then figure out where your personalization can come into play. Obviously, you don't want a general experience for everything because every page has different intents. You have different segments that are coming into different places. Um, But I think the approach that we took was taking a basic listening to the data and then expanding from there and letting the data guide any further personalization or or changes that we made to the approach.
0: Let the data guide the changes. I love that. Yep. Yep. And you have some, do you have humans also? Is it just the bot? What does that look like?
2: Yeah. So, um, we have, uh, we do have some live live reps in there from our inside sales team. Um, so we have a, a few reps that sit and cover those types of inquiries. Um, we have a solid pipeline built out there. We are still still in our kind of maturity of developing. You know, more of our sales organization of of getting into Drift, using the tool, starting to expand into booking meetings and right on people's calendars, and using Drift Video for outreach, those kinds of things. Uh, but we we like to automate as much as possible because if we can spare a human resource and cover the issue um, entirely in in chat and and um, in an automated fashion, we'd we'd like to do that. And so um, it just it depends, and you're always going to have, especially when you have so much support that's coming in. Um, with security integrators, there's all kinds of um, support issues that could come up, and so you would have to require a lot of different people to be part of the chat process to to cover everything you know that you need to cover. And so we've developed processes around um, automating what we can, and then sending them to you know a live maybe to a, a live calling agent or something like that when we can't you know solve the issue that they're looking for. So um, it's it de- it depends, and we're starting to. To mature there quite a bit. Um, but it's 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 coming along. So
0: yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you have global playbooks. When you were rolling those out, how did you have to shift your strategy?
2: Yeah, um luckily it wasn't actually a huge shift. Um we because we we take a very standardized approach, especially when we were just Starting out with you know a couple regions, we took a very standardized approach to you know having the same tags between playbooks, um, having similar paths where possible in in the playbooks themselves, um, and really what it took was to standardize that across regions as well. And so once you have that that structure in place, you can really start to scale it to the other regions uh, to a certain extent. You always have different trends, different things. You know you have different you know cultural things you have different intent breakdowns based off of you know different business functions things like that by region um, and so you definitely have to listen to that so like for example for us we we noticed that our UK implementation of drift was seeing a lot more sales uh, relative to support compared to our US implementation and so we still wanted to make sure that support was was taken care of in, in the chat experience in the UK but also you know we have a slightly Larger opportunity for sales uh, on the UK side, um, and for our for our Canada region, we have quite a bit of residential security as, as part of our business there. Whereas in the US, it's not as big a part of our business, so uh, we can't you know scale direct you know a video surveillance commercial playbook directly to Canada without considering that residential market as well. So there's always little nuances between the markets, of course, that you have to listen to and um, and take into consideration as you strategize, but. At the core level, at the at the the common denominator, as I would call it, is you have you know your intents, your your content, and your outcomes, which is kind of what it boils down to. Um, where you know across all of your conversations, across the regions, you know 90 percent of of the conversations that are happening are either going to be sales, educational, or support based, and that's just something that we've found. And so that's you know a scalable model that we can look at intent across regions and start to look at trends that way as well. So. You scale what you can, and the structure helps with that. But there's also you know the the subtle differences and, and things like that. Um, another big thing that I'll I'll mention is the naming conventions and the, the data governance. Everything in that is is crucial as well, and that's kind of an underrated portion of it. Because if you you know if you don't keep a, a structured approach there, then you're going to spend more time trying to figure out what your data even is saying than actually interpreting it and finding the trends. Um, so one example there is. Um, We have one account for for our global regions. And so all of our playbooks are labeled with um, the region that they're serving, the purpose of the playbook, and then what type of playbook it is, whether it's for lead generation or if it's a more general purpose playbook, whatever that looks like. That helps us from a data tracking and just an operational perspective, keep everything separated and and, uh, make sure that everything's organized in a a coherent fashion. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, And... We're we're rolling out a new implementation with, with our Nordics teams. And you know, we're taking an approach there where we're taking a very general playbook, kind of like I said before, with taking a general playbook and then letting the data tell us what to personalize from there because there's gonna be those regional differences. And so you kind of have to start at that base level and, and grow from there.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that naming conventions are a super underrated. Aspect of drift. And I think that any ops person listening to you would give you a big round of applause because it makes their life so much easier when you're going back through and you're trying to find something. So, for anyone starting with drifts, I would come up with a naming convention and keep it the same. Uh, And people like Jacob will thank you for it later. (laughs) I also like what you said earlier with the global rollout using the data still to guide that personalization and update because every region is going to have certain subtleties, right? There might be more formal ways of speaking or more relaxed ways of speaking or ways that you ask email. And I think just getting something up and running and from there, A-B testing different things and letting the engagement rates guide you and letting the drop-off guide you and, and changing things from there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've um we've run A B tests. I'm glad that you mentioned that. We we've run some A B tests that, you know, we assume, you know, if if this is working in one region, let's try this in another region and see if it works. Well, maybe that's not an assumption you could necessarily make. And so you have to run you should probably run a test there as well and just see if if that's something that scales, and then you can start to understand what scales and what doesn't. And and that'll help drive the strategy as well. A B testing is another one that we're looking at expanding use on and is really helping us out a lot. So glad you brought that (laughs) up.
0: And my final question for you, Jacob, I have heard about this uh, model in Tableau that you have built that has very much so helped you understand the data that's coming through from Drift and actioning on it. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the Tableau dashboard is where all of our All of our data from Drift Lifts, all of our conversation data, all of our contact data, it's it in through an API connection, and it refreshes on a daily basis. And a lot of effort from the team, I was heavily involved with it, but a lot of effort overall from the team in in putting that together, and it provides a whole lot of insight to us. So it kind of breaks down, um, just kind of like I mentioned before already, is the intent, the outcomes, and then also the content of the conversations, and that's the model that we built out. And you know, as you, we had when we started that we we had a list of business questions that we wanted to answer. Um, so what you know, what's the breakdown of intents? What you know, how what's our common intents? What are our outcomes? And you let that kind of guide the things that you visualize, and you want to make sure that. If you have a specific question in mind that you're visualizing, that so one example is we were curious when a lot of our conversations were happening in the day, and so we actually built out um, a, a part of the dashboard that tells you how many conversations are happening by hour of the day, and then you can also filter it by the intent, so you can see where all of our sales conversations happening, when are they happening, uh, when are the support conversations coming in, and if you want to talk about you know feeding that insight out to the teams, you could use that. In a lot of ways, you could use, you know, the sales data or educational data to say maybe we can time our email sends more around this time because we're sending we're seeing a lot more engagement. Um, we also noticed just overall that um, we were getting a lot of engagement from the West Coast, influencing the times that people were chatting in. They were chatting in at like 6 p.m. Eastern time as like the peak rate, where you know our Eastern our Eastern operations are, are wrapped up by five five Eastern. You know, so. Um, there's a lot of insight to be had there. Um, as, and that's just one example, we can, you know, we can start to look at once you have the the model in place of intent content and outcomes, whatever those may look like for you, you can layer in by playbook. You can filter it down to, I want to see how this playbook is performing, see the intent behind it, um, and see what the outcomes are, how many leads were generated and start to visualize that by playbook by region. Um, you know, if the conversation, we can also filter if the conversation included just a bot or a bot plus a human jumped in, and see how those you know different performance. Um, and so, and again, you know, that's all coming from the structure and everything, the tagging, everything behind it. Essentially, anything that we tag and we capture in a conversation, we can visualize because we have you know that that structure in place. So, any visualization we want to create, we have the power to do that because because of all the work that's been put into it and the discipline around it. Um, another one that jumps to mind is the firmographic data that we've been looking at. Um, one example, actually a great example of expanding past a general experience and getting to, you know, very personalized experience is we had um, a conversation pattern that we were noticing where um, a couple of industries in particular had elevated sales in compared uh Elevated sales conversation numbers, I should say, in comparison to other regions, and we didn't have a personalized experience there. So we said, "Hey, this looks like a great opportunity to build out a playbook specific to that vertical. So let's go after that and you know develop a playbook." And that's you know, that's what we've been doing. And it's those kinds of things that you start to notice as you build out the visualizations, look at the trends, and it's just a great tool to see all that in real time and, and take action on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, Jacob, you are certainly very buyer-centric, customer-centric, using what your customers are telling you, your buyers are telling you, to create better, more personalized and more informed conversations. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I certainly learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners did too. So thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Had a great time uh, talking with you.
1: Well, I think it's safe to say that Jacob is definitely a power user of Drift, Certainly
0: a power user of Drift. I love talking to people who are in Drift like that. Yeah, I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) And just hearing how they're using different parts of the Drift platform to take insights and bring that to the whole marketing team. It was exciting to hear how much Jacob was looking into what buyers and customers were saying and really personalizing the experience from them.
1: Yeah, I loved the uh, specific use cases and examples he had of this is what we were seeing and this is how we changed it to be better and deliver those personalized experiences. Yeah. And next week we're going to keep the conversation going on that personalization.
0: Yes. Keeping the conversation rolling. Tune in next week. We can't wait to see you there. Thanks so much for listening to Conversation Starters. If you liked this episode, please leave us a six star review by clicking the link in the show notes and hit subscribe so you never miss another one. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sammy Reinstein and follow all of our shows at Drift Podcasts.